0: Welcome back to New World Next Week. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And I'm James
1: Evan Palato from MediaMonarchy.com. If it is a homicide, other people might be in jeopardy. We've got that story, plus finding the finders. But first, not a joke, not an April Fool's prank, but just in time for Halloween, James, the fondle slab is is here. Skin on Interfaces welcomes human-like gestures to control your smartphone. Skin on Interfaces, that's the company name and sort of the name of this product. Skin on Interfaces is a sensitive human skin-like input method that has been used as a phone case that communicates with your smartphone. The technology is being proposed as a new paradigm in which interactive devices have their own artificial skin, thus enabling new forms of input gestures for end users. Silicon has been used to mimic the deformative nature of human skin when twisted, pinched, and touched. Essentially, skin-on interfaces reproduce a skin-sensing layer that can track natural gestures, which understands touch, pressure, and complex gestures such as strokes, stretching, or grabbing. I think fondling would fit in quite perfectly right there. It proposes a new way to interact with our impersonal technology, instead asking to be touched to communicate with our devices. Human-like interactions are translated into controlling our device, meaning that if the artificial skin is twisted, a smartphone's volume could be turned up. Other interactions include tickling the skin, which would send a laughing emoji via a text, or pinching the skin to develop an angry avatar on your laptop. Using a built-in grid of sensors, the multi-sensory factors are endless and can be translated into a number of functions that your device understands. Now, this article reads more like a press release, and all I can think of, and James, I talked about this briefly on Morning Monarchy this past week, have you ever seen Existence, the very underrated 1999 film by body horror master David Cronenberg? It's really, and I saw it in the theater when it, when it was out, it was like the Organic Matrix. And it was actually released right around the same time in 1999 that the Matrix was released. So, James, I know you probably haven't seen Existence, but you did just watch the very creepy video that goes along with this article. And you, you thought I was kidding. The fondless
0: slab has arrived. Uh, actually, I want to say that I think I might have seen Existence. But since I don't really remember, I guess I probably didn't. But I I know there was, I mean, I must have seen something on late night CBC at some point. I know I saw Naked Lunch, I think that way, late night CBC one night. But um, I don't know. I saw something, Cronenberg. And it must, I'm sure I've seen it. Anyway, whatever. Uh, this, uh, this, This actual real news story that you dug up is some nightmare fuel. And of course... It is creepy. It really is, and that's the way everyone is using to describe it. And if you go through that Twitter thread um, that uh, Clint Torres has linked up there, (laughs) everyone has some good comments that uh, that go along that uh, that line. It puts lotion on the phone and thing like things like that. Um, It it is just creepy. There's no way around it, and I don't think anyone who has grown up without this technology will not find it creepy. But as always, with this type of thing, it's what will a generation from now or two generations from now, people who have been immersed in this technology all their life, think about it. And that's ultimately where the social engineers are taking us. And it's funny you bring up this story because just yesterday I was thinking to myself about your comments that uh, that we are essentially going to be fed vending machines. Our, our, our technology is going to be turned into vending machines where you get to push a button to buy this or push a button to buy that and that's the extent of our control over technology and i thought it would make a great uh, video or maybe a whole podcast in and of itself about the future of technology and where it's trending because you and i are exposed to these types of stories day in and day out so perhaps we see it on a more consistent basis than other people who are just watching a general trend developing but we know that the technology of the future will not look like what it does today, and uh, you will pry my keyboard from my cold, dead hands. Maybe the uh, the rallying cry of our generation as this technology that we have where we have some semblance of control over actual physical computers that we control that sit on a desktop and that ha- have a physical hard drive that we have control and access to is going to be taken away from us and pretty soon everything will be in the cloud and and it, physical devices that you actually input using a keyboard or something like that no 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 we're going to be we're going to have wearables and hearables and other types of t- computer technology that doesn't look seem or or act anything like what we have today And every step along this path is taking us down towards the path of less and less control over our devices and more and more integration of it into our everyday life. This is one data point along that trail that I think, when I paint the whole picture, I hope it will become a little bit more apparent where things are trending and why we should be saying you will pry my desktop from my cold dead hands and not simply accept this new in, uh, innovation, every innovation that comes down the line that seeks to take more and more of the control out of your hands and more and more into the hands of the uh, the big tech giants.
1: James, I got that phrase several years back from uh, cryptagon.com that talked about, you know, your all your mobiles will essentially become vending machines because it had just started then and now it's, I mean, it's they've almost completely... They've done away with all the imports, done away with all the ports. They don't even have a headphone jack anymore. It's basically you get to choose which things you want to buy. Don't worry about trying to, like, you know, create anything or be a creative person. You're just, again, they've turned it into another TV that you're just supposed to be a passive consumer. Speaking of TV, James, you said the CBC. And that does remind me, I think Cronenberg might actually be Canadian. And Existence does star now, I think, famed Canadian writer, director, Sarah Polly. So he might actually get some love on some TV up there in Canada. Of course, here in the States, it's pretty much relegated to late night, you know, schlocky horror kind of stuff. Speaking of horror, that's pretty much how we get rolling here on this New World Next Week episode 394, Halloween 2019. James, uh, another kind of related story, just briefly to the phone story. This is maybe about as normal as it might get on this episode, and this was something that a lot of folks were passing around. Mass cell phone surveillance experiment is basically being unveiled in Spain. Kind of an interesting story, and again, everything we say will always be included in your show notes. You can get those links and continue the research for yourself. Our second story this week, James, is a video that maybe I haven't watched all the way yet, but you don't need to watch the video to know that it's a pretty interesting deal that someone finally stormed Epstein's private islands and caught all of it on film. Recently, while island-hopping-in-the-Caribbean, independent journalist Luke Radowski went where no one had really gone before, at least no independent journalist had gone before, along with Jeff Berwick of the dollar vigilante, Radowski risked arrest, or, or worse, to show us an exclusive look at Jeffrey Epstein's private island, a seemingly innocuous outpost that many have referred to as pedophile island. The pair was with friends when they found themselves near Epstein's mysterious island, Little St. James, just off the coast of St. Thomas, part of the U.S. Virgin Islands, an unincorporated territory of the U.S. And so the pair did what any curious and responsible journalist would do. They hired a boat and headed straight for Pedo Islands. Convicted pedophile Jeffrey Epstein purchased the 71-and-a-half-acre island, the island back in 1998 for just about $8 million bucks. And it's been shrouded in mystery ever since, with rumors swirling of exactly what happened there and who took part in the scandalous and illegal activities. Since Epstein took ownership of the small island, few images of it ever emerged. That was until Epstein was arrested earlier this year. So this story goes into all the ins and outs of what Luke and these guys shot and what they heard actually from the locals who all said, Oh yeah, we knew something weird was going on. There'd be 12-year-old girls and, you know, Bill Clinton was here all the time. But as this article from The Mind Unleashed notes, as one might expect, the duo didn't find any big kind of damning evidence. But that's just one of the big Upstein Upstein, <laughs> that's what we'll call it. Epstein updates this week, James. The other one, Sketchy Expert says Epstein's injuries look more like murder. And this has actually been the thing to get Epstein's name back in the mainstream headlines, as of course Lu isn't getting mainstream headlines. This one, however, is. Dr. Michael Bodden, one of the world's leading forensic pathologists, viewed Epstein's body and was present at the autopsy held on my birthday, August 11th, the day after Epstein was found dead at the notorious Metropolitan Correctional Center in downtown Manhattan in an interview with the Miami Herald. And that's Julie Brown still on top of this story. Bodden describes Epstein's jail cell, the ligature he allegedly used to hang himself, and his own suspicions that federal authorities have not conducted a thorough probe into Epstein's cause and manner of death, Mark Bodden saying, quote, they rushed the body out of the jail, which they shouldn't do because that destroys the evidence. The brother, Mark, doesn't think it was a suicide. He's concerned it might be murder. It's 80 days now, and if, in fact, it is a homicide, other people might be in jeopardy. Those fractures are extremely unusual in suicidal hangings and could occur much more commonly in homicidal strangulation, end quote, from Dr. Michael Bodden, who also added that there were hemorrhages in Epstein's eyes, that are also more common in strangulation than hangings. James, why were we? I couldn't. I couldn't
0: bring it up. Why were we just talking about Baden on this show recently? I don't remember what context we were talking about it on this show, but I do remember talking specifically about his involvement in Epstein in episode 361 of the Corporate Report podcast, "Suicided: the Final Days of Jeffrey Epstein, where I did point out that he is the celebrity pathologist who's been brought in for seemingly every single high-profile death in the United States since Kennedy. And uh, I did play a number of clips uh, highlighting that in episode 361, including O.J. Simpson and Eric Garner and Michael Brown and all of these high-profile death cases, including the mysterious, or is it mysterious, death of Nelson Rockefeller back in 79, officially attributed to a heart attack, although Mae Brussel did not believe it was a heart attack. And I did talk about that in the episode. I don't know what we were talking about it on New World next week uh, in regard to, though.
1: Ah, okay, I feel like we mentioned him and
0: maybe it wasn't anything to do with Epstein. Might have been. As I say, he's been involved in every Hive profile. He's never met a camera he didn't like. And in this particular context, as I pointed out in episode 361, he was brought in by the representatives of the decedent, a.k.a. Epstein's lawyers, to examine or to watch over the, the, um, the autopsy. So what level of the shell game is this at is really the question here because I'm assuming we're not going to get to the bottom layer of this uh, this puzzle through someone who has been involved in all of these high-profile cases uh, and who was brought in by Epstein's lawyers. I mean, is this just another form of pressure to make sure that they drop the case against co-conspirators or what have you? I'm not sure. But hey, at least it keeps Epstein's name in the news, right? I mean, there's something to this. and uh, And as I know you know, it has played into the recent meme trend about uh, epstein didn 't kill himself, so that 's something and on the note of uh, Luke and Jeff uh, and their trip to the island that I mean I hope people will go and watch that. Uh, I did watch the video I also watched the follow up about um, five uh, five top five things we discovered inside epstein 's private island i haven 't yet watched the two hour AMA about that uh, that event that took place, so I will be doing that after we finish our conversation here, but do um, you remember the days when reporters were not just stenographers for people in power and didn't just say, oh, well, the president said Baghdadi was killed, so I guess he's dead? I mean, remember when the days when reporters would actually go out and be boots on the ground and try to find things out? Um, the only reason we know anything at all about uh, the, uh, the island and what's taken place there since Epstein's death is... The uh, the Rusty Shackelford and his drone footage, which was, as far as I know, the only reason we know the FBI was there at all. Of course, cleaning up all of the all of the details and any uh, incriminating evidence, uh, so that there was really none there to be had for Luke and Jeff's trip. But uh, Rusty Shackelford and now Luke and Jeff, with their cameras, there are the only reason we know anything at all about the island. Uh, not a single reporter. Of Any of the mainstream networks, of course, is ever going to try to venture anywhere um, and do anything that would actually be informative and actually bring news to the public. Surprise, surprise. So hats off to the people who are still out there trying to do real journalism.
1: OK, so I guess I have to mount up a trip to Epstein's property just down here in New Mexico. That's really just only a couple of miles outside of the Santa Fe city limits. See what kind of adventures I could get into there. James, I, I, you know, I thought you were missing all the spicy memes on Twitter lately, but you're, you're aware of the Epstein didn't kill himself memes. They've been, I think, kind of helping keep Epstein's name out there as well. If We go to knowyourmeme.com. They note that Epstein didn't kill himself is an image macro series in which various facts are listed and abruptly followed by variations of the phrase Epstein didn't kill himself. Think of it as sort of like hiding a meme inside another meme. Easily one of my most popular tweets of the last week or so is the one that said, let's "Go to good again for Halloween." How to eat candy corn: one, open bag; two, pour candy into trash can; three, Epstein didn't kill himself. So, sort of variations of that. And maybe before we move to our third and final story, if I can again maybe implore folks, somebody will remember you guys mentioned Biden recently when you were talking about X. So maybe somebody can put that in the comments for us. So finally, on this gnarly New World next week for Halloween 2019, FBI releases finders files after three decades. And we grab this story from the Tallahassee Democrat who's been following the story essentially for decades. So they've got quite the archive, tallahassee.com. The FBI unlocked its vault and recently... Released hundreds of documents related to The Finders, an Tallahassee, Florida child abuse case that sparked a bizarre federal investigation into allegations of Satan worship and child pornography involving an eccentric commune in Washington, D.C. The arrest of two well dressed men in suits. Tending to six motley, bug-ridden children made sensational headlines in 87 when they were identified as members of The Finders, a secretive commune that based its teachings allegedly on the writings of Chinese philosopher Lao Tse. The Tallahassee Democrat covered the story extensively at the time and headlines about the strange group that preaches complete passivity in the face of danger spread across newspapers nationwide. The mysterious organization of the finders in D.C. has been the subject of unproven conspiracy theories for decades, often linked to similar theories involving shadowy government agencies and child sex rings. It is the top requested topic, according to the FBI's Vault webpage, Douglas Ammerman and James Michael Howell pulled over in a van arrested in February 87 in Tallahassee after witnesses reported seeing them in Myers Park with six scruffy hungry kids between the ages of two and eleven. After Howell fell face down on the ground and refused to stand up or answer questions, the men were charged with misdemeanor child abuse and held on $100,000 bond. Unable to locate the mothers, police placed the children into state custody. Six weeks later, after an investigation that went all the way to D.C., the men were released from custody. The state drops the charges against the men After receiving at least 500 calls from women claiming to be the mothers of the children, the actual mothers were ultimately found and traveled to Tallahassee to get their children back. Federal agents concluded there was no evidence of criminal activity and dropped the case against the finders. I will include two PDF links to just part one of the FBI's finders report with all the redactions you can handle. And the classic child kidnapping in America, the CIA connection, a report by Ted L. Gunderson. James?
0: All right. Well, this is an important story that I think ties in, obviously, with the Epstein story in the idea of child sex trafficking and what have you, and does go to show that this is a larger and more widespread political phenomenon than that one particular case. And I think it's an incredibly fascinating story, although it's not one that I personally have done the deep dive research into. I do have the the latest release uh, downloaded and I've gone through it in a cursory way, but not with a fine tooth comb, but someone who is keeping their eye on this story and who has done extensive work on it is Derek Bros, previous CorporateReport.com guest. I'll throw the link in the show notes into our previous conversation back in December of last year about his work on the Finders specifically. And I will uh, include not only a link to the Finders category on theconsciousresistance.com, Derek Bros's website, where all of his previous work on that is, but also his latest video, um, the Finders cult, A New Rabbit Hole. So there's a lot for people to dig into there. And I hope some enterprising individuals in the New World Next Week audience will do so. Download the documents, uh, go through the previous research, see if there's anything you can find, report back. Uh, I'm sure we would all be interested to see what people can find from this latest release.
1: So there you have it. A pretty horrific Halloween 2019 New World Next Week episode 390, James. As I always like to wrap up these episodes, I like to remind folks, invite folks to come check me out. I stream news, music, memes, and more Monday through Friday 9 to 5 Mountain Time at my own website. It's essentially like the best damn radio station you've never heard. I have, of course, essentially a lifelong career of radio. I think I slowly win people over. They listen into the show. They're like, oh, you're you're like an actual radio guy. So, James, I'd love for folks to come check that out as, of course, I've now been sharing a lot of my photos and experiences things from hanging out with you recently in Japan. So thanks. Thank you.
0: And let's do it again next week. All right, buddy. Take care.